Greetings. I'm Elizabeth Emery, producer and host of Hear Her Sports, the podcast about exceptional female athletes and women in sports. Here's a quick minute just to say if you like this podcast, tell your friends and please donate. You can do so by going to the hearhersports.com donate page. Today, my guest is Monica Lestady, a synchronized swimmer who just won a silver medal at Masters Nationals with her team, the San Francisco Tsunami Aquatics. The team is for swimmers of all levels, from highly competitive athletes to those looking for some social-oriented exercise. And as you will hear from Monica, they also welcome brand new beginners. Tsunami Aquatics was founded in 1986 after San Francisco hosted the Gay Games. They, of course, remain open to everyone and anyone interested in the swimming and synchro teams. Out of the pool, Monica rock climbs, which we talk about, and is a fine arts gallery director in San Francisco. I particularly like our conversation about being on a master's team and everything that entails, in comparison to playing sports as a kid or in college, for example. As Monica says, we're a team of adults. We all have our own other things that we do. And yet she also explains how committed everybody is. So it's a balance of regular life and a loved extracurricular activity. The other thing great about talking to Monica was learning about a sport I knew nothing about and talking about the fear and excitement of trying new things, even when we might not be good at it. Monica has curiosity, a sense of adventure, and willingness to face a few fears. We started off by talking about just that. After the last practice, like one of my teammates was like, oh yeah, Nationals last year, she's like, she's like, I'm on deck. And I'm like, why did we do this? Like, why are we doing this? But I think this is why like competing in synchro is hard for me because I feel like anytime there's like eyes on me, I just, I just blank. Like my, my brain goes through blank. <laughs> That's funny. We used to have a saying we would get on the line when I was bike racing and a friend would lean over and go, I hope aliens drop down and like take us all so we don't have to actually race. <laughs> I don't know. But then once you're in it, it's okay. It's you fine. Know? Yeah, exactly. So when did you start and how did you start? This is my fourth season. Uh, my team is the Tsunami Synchronized Swimmers. And it's the San Francisco team. It's part of the Tsunami Masters swim team. And we are just a group of adults who enjoy the sport. Some of us have been doing it since they were kids. And some got into it very recently, like me. <laughs> and we just do it for fun. And we do compete, but it's still for fun. Um, I started, it's kind of a... A journey on how I got here. Um, but I was swimming um, masters with uh, USF, University of San Francisco, um, because I was a runner before that. And then I got foot injury. And so I took up swimming. And then I just kind of morphed into, okay, well, I want to do something a little more serious. And so I joined the masters. And then I was just kind of getting tired of just doing laps, you know, and, and I had seen this team actually they um did a little exhibition at one of the art fairs in san francisco several years ago and i saw the video online because i couldn't make it to the art fair i'm like who are they <laughs> like what is this about this sounds like so much fun you know because they make it look like fun um and so i uh, i looked them up and i contacted the coach and and she's like yeah we do like kind of a beginner's like intro class thing if you want to try it and i did and i got hooked and cool. so that's how I got into it. So what looked like fun? What was it about it that was attractive? They make it look like they're having a blast. <laughs> it's just all like, <laughs> it's all like 
you know, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> well, you know how they smile. They smile like, like, this is so much fun. You want to do this, you know, but the smile is fake. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I would say the hardest part of synchro is smiling as you're doing it. Um, but no, seriously, though, it looked really interesting. and It looked like a challenge. And, you know, it just, it, it looks beautiful, you know, and it looks fun and it looks athletic. And it's like, oh, my God, can I can I go upside down like that? Like, what is this like? You know? And it's intriguing because it's so different too. And I think I just like kind of challenging myself with new things, you know, even if I have no idea how to do it. Um, so, and it kind of seemed like a good next step for me. So it looks really hard and, and, you know, I've never really analyzed it until preparing for this interview, but it looks hard, but it looks, you know, like I don't even know where, I wouldn't even know where to start. You know, like how to turn upside down and do all that stuff and hold my breath. Oh, my God. Yeah, holding the breath is really hard. Um, um, we have a nose clip that helps. Um, so, I'm sorry, what was your question? Where to start? <laughs> I was just I was just exclaiming how hard it looks. <laughs> I didn't actually oh. ask a question. Well, it actually is, like, much harder than it looks. So, if it looks hard, <laughs> then it's way harder. I mean... It's, I cannot understand how the Olympians, like, look the way they look. You know, I thought I had an advantage coming from, you know, doing the master swimming and kind of being strong in the water, but no, it's all out the window. There's so many different things to think about all at once, like, in an instant. You know, just to be upside down and vertical, it's like, is my skull correct? Am I traveling? Why am I traveling? Well, my hands aren't in the exact right angle, you know, and it's pushing me back. And it's like, why isn't my vertical vertical? Why am I little on my face? Well, maybe because my head is going a little bit forward. And it's like things you can't even like comprehend when you're underwater. And then doing it in a routine, you have to think about it like in a second, right. you know, and execute it. And but you know what? I think that's why I love it so much. You know, I, I think I told you my other sport is climbing. And what I love about climbing is the focus and, and solving the puzzle, you know, and that's the only place you're at at that time. Right. And it's true. There's nothing else I can think about when I'm doing synchro. And I like being able to, or at least trying to accomplish multiple things at the same time. So how did you start? So you signed up for the beginner lesson and, and what do they have you do? So what it is is that at the end of the season, so the season ends in October. So then November, December, they offer like it's it's kind of like a clinic. Like it's a chance for the people who are already on the team to kind of work on skill work, but then introduce um, new people to it. And so they just, you know, we all kind of help teach, uh, see if they like it. And it starts pretty simple, like, you know, do a back layout and try doing a tub position and, you know, try going upside down. You know, it's really basic steps you start with. And I don't know why it's addicting, but it kind of is. I feel like everyone that does the beginner class just ends up joining the team. <laughs> That's fun. So you said that your team is nothing like the Olympic synchro. So why is that? Because we're not that good. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> Oh, other than that, I mean, yeah, it's still the same. It's still the same, you know, um, regulations and 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 elements that you need within a uh, within a routine to compete. So Got it's it. like, you know, the team has to be a certain size to be a team. Otherwise, it has to be a trio or a duet. You know, there's also something called a combo where it's like 
way more people. But I don't know if you've noticed when you watch the Olympics that like during the combo routine, there are some people that kind of like hang out on the side for a while and they jump back in, you know, that's a combo. Um, but like we have a tech routine that you have to have certain elements. You have to do a barracuda bent knee. You have to do a proper layout. And it's like it has to be in the routine in a certain order. So in that sense, like, yeah, I guess it's like the Olympics because they have to follow the same rules. But um, it's just not that level. It's not anywhere near that level. Right. So go over that a little bit slower that you have specific tricks or uh, techniques that you have to get into your routine. Yeah. So we have... We have two routines that we do. It's called the technical routine, which is shorter, and then a freestyle routine. So in, within the technical routine, it's called the technical routine because you have to do certain technical elements that they judge you on. And, and when it, now when I watch the Olympics, I see that they do, they, they're all doing the same things ultimately. So uh, I forget exactly what the requirements are, but it's like a proper front layout into a pike. And then we have a barracuda bent knee move that you have to do. And then you have to do a boost. But it's like a certain order, too. You can't do the boost you're judged on can't be, you know, after the barracuda bent knee. It has to be before that. It's just. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I haven't gotten to the choreography phase. <laughs> I'm not that advanced yet. So I'm kind of relying on my coach and my teammates to kind of organize that. Right. And who is doing the choreography? Um. Well, it is a combination of our coach and uh, other people on the team. Uh, so the Tsunami Synchro team is probably about 25 people, but we break up into different groups. So the team I'm on is eight people with two alternates. And so there are some really talented people on my team so who have been doing it a really long time. So they're doing a lot of the choreography too. Cool. So and it's, it's, um, it's a team effort. It really is. Cool. And and who's doing the coaching? Is that somebody different from the from the choreographer? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, the coach is fantastic. So basically, the team. Um, I, I don't. I think they they found her when they basically started the team. When Tsunami started the Synchro team, they found Suzanne, and she's the coach, and she's fantastic. So she has a background of Synchro. And um, she coaches, she choreographs, uh, she does everything. She goes above and beyond. It's amazing. She's part of the team, but basically the team kind of found her and hired her to to do this for us. Right, right. And how often do you have practice? Twice a week. Uh huh. And what and what kind of stuff are you doing outside of being in the water with the team for training? Well, a lot of the team actually is also a member of the Tsunami Master Swim Team. So a lot of them swim um, laps outside of Synchro, which helps. It really does. In fact, one of our teammates is just right now relaying the English channel, if you can believe it. She did some Synchro moves at the very end. Wow. (laughs) At the end of her lap. But we also, we land drill, which helps us uh, understand the choreography outside of the water. Um, But, but... We all have kind of our own thing, you know, it's different than a team of kids, you know, we're a team of adults, so we all have our own other things that we like to do. Like for me, it's climbing, which I feel helps with my balance, you know, Sure. but a lot of other people swim. You brought up something that I find really interesting about master's program, which is so different than, you know, having a team of kids is that you do have all these other interests that you're doing and you have a job and other stuff. And do you find that that is good or bad for you know, sort of the team dynamics? I think it's great. 
it could be disastrous, but it's not. I think it's well, well, because you are dealing with adults, and you know, like adults aren't going to follow, you know, um, rigid schedules. Like kids, right. they're not going to be told what to do like kids do, you know. But at the same time, we understand that dynamic, and I think our team works so well because we're all so easygoing and understand people's schedules. And it's it's it can be tough. We're all very dedicated, but it's like if you have like a conference you have to go to for work or if you have to stay late for work or if you have this like family visiting or kids responsibilities a lot of people on the team are moms you know it's like we get it you know and we work around it and we really take advantage of the time that we do have all together when we're all there and you know we catch each other up when we can catch each other up I think if it was very competitive it'd be a, a horrible dynamic you know I think like what if I did join Synchro as a kid. I mean, a lot of these people did do it when they were kids. I didn't. But, I mean, can you imagine, like, sports as kids? It's like, it's it's like your value isn't how good you are, you know? But as adults, it's not. It doesn't, you know, we really support each other. And there are so many different levels of abilities. And really, I don't find judgment from anybody else. I find... Um, advice and help and people want me to get better that's awesome you know I I love the dynamic and that's one reason I love the sport so much is the team aspect of it I've not been on a team you know since I was a kid you know you know obviously synchronized swimming everybody has their role that they're they have what what happens if somebody is out how do you sort of overcome that person's spot well we all commit to the competitions so we all commit to showing up for the competitions and being there. We have two alternates in our group, so they can fill in. But then most of the time we'll just swim with the empty spot, you know? Right. And we'll kind of swim around the empty spot, you know? It does get kind of challenging when you start doing stuff together, like lifts and, and throws and things like that. It's like, okay, well, we can't do it because, you know, two people are missing. But we just work around it. So um, we mentioned very briefly about the breathing, you know, like how, how did you train yourself to hold your breath for longer and longer, I guess? I'm kind of terrible at it personally, <laughs> but um, there's, there's something we do called underwater. So it's basically, uh, you put your nose clip on and you do a lap underwater and hopefully you can make it the whole lap. Sometimes you can't. <laughs> And then the trick is, is like, how many can you do? And with like how little rest in between, and it just kind of trains your lungs and wakes up your lungs a little bit. A lot of it's mental too. Like I find that if we're doing um, um, hybrid underwater, move underwater, where it's slow, like there's not much to it, but I'm not breathing. I can like have all this time to think about that I'm not breathing. Whereas, like, if it's a fast move and I'm doing a lot of stuff underwater, it's the same amount of time underwater, it's it's much easier, you know? Right. Um, but for training, it's really kind of underwaters and just basically practicing holding your breath. And uh, what kind of strength and skills do you need to uh, be in synchronized swimming? Well, you know, you really should know how to swim quite well. <laughs> well, but, You'd be surprised. Um, um, and then it is, it's, it, it requires a lot of strength. It really does. But everybody's body type is different too. It's like I, I'm more dense, so I, I'm more of a sinker. So I need more muscle to keep myself up and do some of these moves. 
It seems like that you need a lot of upper body strength. You know what? Um, yeah, I could I could see where you would say that, but you know, lower body strength is just as important because the way we tread water is uh, egg beatering, kind of like how um, volleyball players, I'm sorry, water polo players do it. And the stronger your legs, the better the eat, the higher up you can be. Hmm. Like you know, when you see the um, Olympic swimmers and they're just, it looks like they're not doing anything because they're just like sitting straight up, you know, and they're smiling and you see their shoulders and everything. Like to be up that high is really hard. It requires a lot of like leg strength. And then the the more leg strength you have, the the um, better you can like lift people and support people underwater. Like it, it requires a lot of leg strength too. What was the hardest thing for you to learn? Um, well, flexibility is a major issue for me. <laughs> Um, the hardest thing for me to learn, hmm. well, you know, spinning is awfully hard. What's spinning? You know, if you're upside down and, uh, in a vertical with your legs straight up and then you spin. Oh. You spin. Yeah. And um, how, do you, how do you do that? Oh, well, so there are, uh, a million different skulls in, in synchronized swimming. The main skull is a support skull. And it's a really hard one to master, believe it or not. Um, so when you spin, it's called a split skull. So you basically, this is spinning down. So if you spin down, like meaning like as you spin, you kind of sink. You keep one arm in a support skull position and the other arm goes over your head. And it's kind of like also a support skull, but over your head. So it's like it's balancing you from not falling over, but allowing you to go down. Whereas if you're spinning up, um, how do I describe this? Because I can, like I, I, you probably don't even know what a sports skull is. So it's like a support skull, but you but you um, move at a different angle. I, I really don't know how to describe it. It's a lot of minute, tiny little changes and details that have a big impact on how you're doing something. You know, and often you'll do something you don't realize, like you were crooked on it. You know, and and you don't even realize you're right from left when you're upside down. It's really hard. <laughs> If you look at our routine, it might look pretty simple because it, there's there's just so much involved with the smallest thing. So when you look at an Olympic routine with all of that complexity, it's mind-blowing. It really is because now that I know what goes into just the simplest things. Right. Do you guys hang out outside of practice? I mean, are these your friends now? Um, you know, I have formed some really nice friendships through this team. And, you know, that's part of why I, I, I like the team. And I like everybody on it. I really do. Um, sometimes, you know, it depends on, you know, like I'm later today, I'm going to hang out with one of my good friends who, who um, I met through the Synchro team. And, in fact, yesterday uh, was the Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco. I don't know if you know that fair, but we volunteered. All of us volunteered because – it's a way for us to raise money for the team. So we had a liquor booth and we, we were all there. And I feel like it's, um, a lot of people do have friendships outside of, outside of Synchro. I can't say like all of us are friends and all of us go out in a big group and hang out. I mean, we see enough of each other every week. And, and, um, what sports did you do as a kid? Marching band. (laughs) I really didn't do any sports as a kid. Um, and then in high school, starting like junior year in high school, um, I joined the soccer team, which was a disaster. Um, and then I'm like, I need a sport that requires no hand-eye coordination. And I joined cross-country tack. So that's kind of how I became 
a runner. So I did track and I did spring track like late in high school, but no, I didn't really do sports. I mean, when I was little, I did like dance class, you know, outside of school, but no, I wasn't the cool kid. I wasn't the athletic kid. I didn't do this as a kid. I think there's a lot of stress with doing sports as a kid because I think it's like if you're good, you're cool. And if you're bad, you're just bad. <laughs> there's a that bashes your ego, I think, if you're not good at sports in school. Right. I also felt that there was like the cool kid sport and the other kid sport. <laughs> you know, like if you didn't make the team on the cool kid sport, you could do the other sport. What was the other kid sport? For me, it was marking band. But what was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was growing up, the cool sport was field hockey and the uncool sport, get this, was soccer. The, wait, the not cool sport was soccer? That's the one I did. <laughs> Yes. Well, this was a long time ago. I'm an old lady. (laughs) (laughs) So am I. (laughs) I think it's so interesting that, you know, there's such a limited number of sports that kids are introduced to. Maybe that was, it's maybe a little bit different now, but we can all be good at sports or be good at physical activities, but we don't always know that they're out there. I mean, certainly, (laughs) like, it would never have occurred to me to do synchronized swimming or, I mean, even climbing. My school didn't have a swim team even, so have been an option for me either yeah for me personally I just don't know if it extends to a gender thing or just a personal thing like I got into music because you know my my older sister did you know Mm -hmm. and it's like oh I'll play the clarinet too because she played the clarinet and she played the clarinet because my grandfather played the clarinet you know so it was more like a family thing and it's kind of like part of it is what your parents introduce you to and it's like well yeah, my dad played football in high school, but he's not going to like sign us up for football. My mom didn't do any sports in high school. So part of it is like where you come from, too. And really for me to like in high school to decide to try track and try soccer, that was a deviation kind of from what our, you know, my sister did and my mom didn't. My brother did, though. So it was like in a way kind of being influenced by what my brother did and trying things out. But also, like, I was super awkward. I was a super awkward kid, you know? And I just think if I would have been devastated if I joined a athletic team and was terrible. You know, I don't think I had the fortitude to, um, like, salvage, <laughs> like, a, a good ego after something like that. You know, I just was awkwardly shy and just... You know, I don't think I could have survived it. (laughs) But there were girls. Like, soccer was a big thing in our town, like, because that offered, like, soccer for little, little kids, you know? And so a lot of girls had been doing soccer for a long time. And there was field hockey, of course, which is a girls' sport. And so, you know, they were definitely, like, really good female athletes as kids. I don't know if I answered your question at all or if I just, like, went off track there. No, I I mean, I don't know if it's actually a question. It's sort of this more discussion of how can, I don't know, how can somebody introduce kids to sort of the wide range of sports that are available? I mean, not everyone, like you said, not everyone's going to be good at the ball hand coordination. (laughs) Like I can't, that's not my thing for sure. I would say though, I would say the school has a lot to do with it because like, you know, my mom and I I, I don't want to, you know, say that she wasn't athletic but she wasn't athletic you know she did she did aerobic she did her Jane Fonda book you know and but I never saw her 
go out for a run. Like I never, like she wasn't an influence on me athletically. But in school and high school, it's like high school gym class. Like, oh, we're going to run over hurdles. And I'm like, what is this, right? And I, and I was actually kind of good at it. I'm like, well, maybe I'll try it. I don't know, right? And that, that kind of like sparked my interest in track and soccer. And, um, but what's hilarious is it just, it just occurred to me right now when I said my mom, like growing up, like I didn't, you know, she wasn't an athletic inspiration necessarily. But as an adult, actually, my mother is more athletic. So my mom is... Um, 70, she'll be 75 in January, but she skis, she hikes, you know, she, um, I don't know what other sport she did. She, she had some other sport, but she's like, as an older kid, I started seeing my mom do more for herself athletically. Like she, she really enjoyed skiing. And the thing is, is that she wasn't very good at it. And I would say that she's probably still not very good at it, although I haven't seen her ski in a while. But she loves it, goddammit, you know? And she's like, it really enjoys it. And I think that's an inspiration to me. So I kind of take it back then. Maybe my mother was an inspiration to me athletically. Yeah, I guess so. How did, how did you discover being athletic and wanting to do something athletic? I mean, you also said that you were into rock climbing. So yeah, what, like, what got you into, interested in being physical? Well, you know what? I think, I think it's a lot to do with not having an ego as an adult that allows me to just be vulnerable and try something I don't know how to do and might be like really bad at it. Like I didn't have that as a kid. As an adult, I could care less, you know? Um, I'm not sure how it started. I did track late in, late in high school, but then I kind of dropped it in college. I didn't really exercise at all. And then I think moved to New York after college and I was just like huffing and puffing up the stairs and I'm like, I gotta start running again, right? <laughs> and then I then I went then I started running again and I, I kept it up. You know, I was not hardcore ultra runner or anything like that, but I found it really enjoyable. And then um and I think that's really kind of what got me on the sports track because you know, I could probably thank my foot injury <laughs> because then it was like, well what do I do now? You know, and I liked being active. And a friend suggested swimming, you know, and swimming's comparable to running and that it's it's mostly solitary, you know, and, and I started, you know, I always knew how to swim, but I never knew the proper strokes or anything like that. So I took adult swim lessons at the, at the public pools for like six months and there were these two great coaches and who swam in college and they showed me the strokes and then it just got to a point where I was like, I want to do something else. Like, I don't want to just keep swimming by myself and they suggested the master swim team and then I got into that way you know so it's just kind of like one thing after another and then and then I found myself in in synchronized swimming like I don't know there's there was no like light bulb that's like hey I want to do organized sports now it was just kind of a progression right uh, there was climbing you know god I hate to admit it but it was because I dated a guy who rock climbed <laughs> But, you know, I just feel so shamed for saying that. But it's true. A boy got me into rock climbing. But 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 I got hooked, you know, because it's outdoors. It's really like complex puzzle. It's fun. You're around people you like who like the same thing. Like it was just great. And I'm just like, I got to keep doing this. Right. And I did. I just kept doing it because I loved it so much. So you're obviously um, you're not afraid of heights. Um, I kind of, well, no, generally no. But yeah, when I'm up there, when I'm really up there, I'm like, oh, this is a little, this is a little scary up here. <laughs> Climbers who do big walls and things like that, I'm like, I would just, just be scared to death. Yeah. Um, 
but but yeah, I mean, my my love for it supersedes my my mild fear of heights. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I've ever climbed outside, I was like, okay, this is this is not the sport for me. <laughs> oh, that's funny, because it's like the first time I climbed, I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> Keep doing this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. I do like being outside, but man, being up high, I, yeah, I never knew I was so afraid of heights. <laughs> But there's something about sports in general, whatever whatever your thing is, you know, um, that just, it's like my therapy, you know, it's like, it really calms me down, it, it gets me out of my head, like, and that's why I love synchro and climbing so much is because of the focus, you know, uh, and the friendships and the camaraderie. It's like, I'm not thinking about whatever bothered me earlier that day, like, it's gone, it's out of my head. And I wonder, like, what am I going to do at 80? Like, there's going to be a point where I can't do sports anymore. <laughs> well, maybe walking will feel like a big sport. Maybe. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's all relative, right? Exactly. Like climbing going down the street. All right. Um, so you said that you guys compete. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. And how often do you compete? And what kind of competitions? So, um, so I'm still learning. So, like, I'm learning about, like, what the the um, parent organization is and, and where we fall within it. So I'm not like the greatest resource in that regard, but what we do, our team at least, is there. Um, there is a nationals competition uh, every year at third weekend in October, uh, and that's coming up for us. And it's all of USA Synchro, so it's people who are doing the same things we are. And like last year was in Arizona, this year it's in Florida. It's just a different location of whatever kind of city wants to host it. And we compete our routines that we've been working on all year. And it's it's like I said before, it's like there are duets, there are trios, there are combos, there are teams. And uh, there's a tech routine and a free routine. And then um, where we place within the age group, like within the group we're in, like whether it be team or trio or whatever, and then within the age group, and that's how we place. And and do you get do you get stressed out? Does your team get stressed out at competitions? I mean that you, I mean that's a big travel all the way to Florida. I get super stressed out. Like months before, I'm having like synchro dreams. I had the synchro dream last night. Like I don't know about anyone else. I get super stressed out. I do think there's anxiety for everybody. Um, our coach gets like super, like she gets a little more vigilant, you know, <laughs> a little more curt. Um, and yeah, I mean, we all take it seriously. I mean, everybody that competes is committed to it and we all take it seriously. And yeah, it's a commitment financially too, because we're all going to Florida. So yeah, we're, we're serious about it. Uh, there is another competition we do every year. It's called ICLA. Um, it's like international uh, gay and lesbian aquatics. So our team is a, a like tsunami, not just tsunami synchro, but tsunami masters. It is a gay, gay friendly team within San Francisco. So, um, so we like to compete in IGLA as well, and that's internationals. That's usually in August every year. Um, so we typically have, you know, most of our routine together. This year was in May, so it was a little crazy. Um, but it's international, so it can be anywhere. This year it was Florida. I'm just like sick of going back to Florida. <laughs> but like um, last year it was in Canada, in Edmonton. Like it's been in Norway or Sweden or something the year before. Like it's it is totally international. So so that's a nice competition to do, and it, it works similarly. Right. Um, that sounds really fun. 
Who designs your costumes and who makes them? Well, we buy them. So we're not super fancy with costumes. Like I go to the nationals, like last year I went to nationals and I see like the, these, these women that have knocks in their hair, you know, on the glitter and the like cool hair pieces. And then like these super sequined, like, um, uh, swimsuits and, you know, we got ours at like swim out, but like, we just decide on our thing. So technically, uh, the tech routine is always black suits, white cups. It's just that standard. So everybody, everybody, it's really hard to find your team um, at nationals because everybody is wearing black suits and white caps. But then free, you can do um, fun things. So like this year, our theme is a snake theme. So we wanted a snake swimsuit, but it gets challenging because you want the men's swimsuits to match the women's swimsuit. We have men to consider, right? You know, we have all sorts of different body types and sizes to consider. So it's finding that common denominator and getting a suit. So I think ours worked out really well. You know, it's some cheap website in China that's all this like snake, snake themed suit. And then um, Megan, one of our teammates, made these fantastic caps. They're amazing. She like put like like fake gemstones on them and made like snake eyes and sequins. All of it. They're amazing. Wow. Caps. She made them for all of us. You know. That's uh, awesome. So it's a little like, it's a little you know, mom and popish for us. For us, but we put we put it you know we put something nice together. Yeah, are you guys ready for the masters? Oh, um, <laughs> I'm not. Um, so, you have a month. <laughs> oh my god, we just decided on the last part of the routine last like on Saturday. It's crazy. So we um, had the IGLA um, competition in um, uh, May. So we were scrambling to get these two routines together, and we did. And I thought they went really well. But then it's like, okay, now that IGLA's over, let's tweak some things, right? And then it turns out we tweak everything. And, like, one person can't make it, so the alternate's coming in. So we're kind of, like, reconfiguring patterns and things like that. So that means this person doesn't do this, and that person does this, and, like, then, okay, let's change this. And then it's just like everything ends up getting re-choreographed. And so it's like we're kind of like relearning everything <laughs> instead of instead of kind of honing our skills of what we had. Um, I mean, some of the people I'm swimming with are so good they don't need it. But for me personally, it's like I'd rather just hone my skill because I'm just now trying to get through this new choreography. Like my brain is slower as I get older. So it's like it's harder for me to to remember the counts and – you know, so it's a little chaotic right now, but I think it'll come together. So our coach is a, is a scientist at Berkeley, and she does research on Alzheimer's. And she's always saying this is like what we do helps prevent Alzheimer's. She's like, it's the anti-aging. Because it's like, basically, we're really practicing our brain, on, um, you know, re remembering, you know, and it helps stave off Alzheimer's. So at least I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's a lot of fun, and that's essentially why I do it. It sounds like a great group of people. It really is. It would not be fun if if we were, you know, highly competitive or or snitty or you know, and, you know, it's a lot of different personalities in one place. So obviously, there are going to be times where it's like, you know, here and there things happen, but. We're dull. You know, it just passes through. Right. Tell me about the boys and how did that end up happening? 
Well, actually, from what I understand, now again, I could have the history wrong here, is the synchronized swimming team was, for Tsunami was formed as an offshoot of the Tsunami Masters team. So I believe that it was several of the boys on the Masters team that wanted to do this, and they sought out our coach, who's still our coach, and they did it, and they did not have any experience at all. And she was amazing, and she taught them all this stuff. And they were like, like some of the best on the team now. But they, they decided to pursue this sport that was predominantly female, and um, they excelled at it. And I'm just, I'm super impressed, you know? And I think it's like, I'm, I'm really proud when I go to these competitions, and it's like, I don't see any other team of guys, and I'm like, no, they're all my team. <laughs> <laughs> and I like swimming with them. Like, it's just an added dynamic, you know? Where are you guys staying and how do you coordinate for the trip to Florida? So, um, well, we all have to be there at a certain time. And then just we're responsible for our own flights. And um, some people like different things. Like I like staying in Airbnb so I can cook. So I just, like last year, um, like one of my teammates stayed with me. So like you kind of like make your own plans. But then this year I suggested like, because there were these Airbnb houses that um, how like had a lot of bedrooms and they were pretty cheap. And I'm like, let's all stay together. And so we're not actually all staying together, but a good amount of us, like six or seven of us, are staying together. It's gonna be fun, actually. I'm really looking forward to this one. That's nice. And then you can all cook and whatnot, and not have to do that group restaurant thing, which I don't like. Oh God, no, I hate that. No. <laughs> yeah, but for the most part, we're kind of on our own. And then sometimes, like. Um, different teammates find like something fun to do in the area and like hey maybe we should do this like last year some of the teammates went like paddleboarding and like in in our competition in um, Miami you know uh, another teammate found like a a tour of this like um, mansion museum thing you know it's just you know we try to do things together and you know do fun things in the area when we can so you said that you guys were all really committed. Uh, how does that sort of translate into, you know, how you care about what you're eating and how you care about how you're sleeping and that kind of stuff? I would say everybody's really health, healthy on the team, health conscious. I mean, I can't say no one eats junk food or anything like that, but basically you're dealing with a group of athletes. So they all care about kind of, you know, what they put in their body and how, how well they sleep. But, you know, for normal people too, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you know, some, you know, you got for drinks or, you know, you, you know, and like I said, you know, a lot of people on the team are moms. And so they have, you know, they're probably partially sleep deprived and, you know. Right. What's your favorite meal? Me personally? Yeah. <laughs> um, what's my favorite meal? Well, there's this Vietnamese place I just adore, and I always get something there. But no, at home, um, I eat a lot of eggs. I'm a vegetarian, so I eat a lot of eggs with veggies. And You know, my favorite meal actually is breakfast. I'm taking that all back. My favorite meal is breakfast. I've been having the same breakfast for like 10 years. Ooh, what and do I'm, you have? Um, it is fruits and berries, like kind of whatever's in season. Like Right now I'm doing plums and strawberries and like maybe some raspberries if I have them, right? With uh, some, like, whole grain cereal, hippie-dippy stuff. And then, like, raw almonds and, and dried cranberries and, like, whatever kind of nut 
dairy thing I can put in there and uh, keep her. Oh. Or yogurt. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really Good. California. Isn't it though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been here close to 16 years, so I, I have adopted some of the California style. <laughs> <laughs> and how about eating before training or eating before competition? Do you pay attention to that? And Well, yes, yes. I mean, our coach is always you know, always tells us, be sure you have snacks, be sure you eat, be sure you're hydrated. Like she reminds us, she's like, you know, you know, playing mom, like take care of yourself. Like I don't, and she's like, don't sit out in the sun. You know, it was so beastly hot. And she's like, stay in the shade, keep be relaxed, you know, behind. She doesn't even want us like doing other stuff outside of like the actual competition. She doesn't want us to drain us. Um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm not very good at balancing what I eat before I practice like it's a tough balance it's like either and you probably know this from biking it's like either you've eaten too much accidentally and then you're just destroyed or you haven't eaten enough and you're starving you know so I try not to eat like before my practices I try not to eat like too much um but have a little protein but like not a lot I don't know I'm not good at this do you count calories or anything like that yeah no, I'm not like that. You know, I don't think any of us are very, like, this is, although we're committed, this is our extracurricular activity. Right. You know, it's not like, and we are in a team, yes, but it's not like we're spending seven hours a day at practice. Like, this is, we're sponsored, you know, this is our um, bread and butter, you know. So we take it seriously, but it's still, you know, it's still something extra for us. And right. How do you balance that being committed and also it being extracurricular? So you don't become like too much of one way or another. Well, but you have your commitments in life. Like you have your job, you have your family, you have whatever like you have to do. And then you have this other stuff where it's like things have to take priority over other things, but it's your choice, you know? So then we choose to make synchro a higher priority than other things. Like, For instance, and this sounds terrible, and I hope my friends don't hear this, but Wednesday night is two of my pretty good friends' birthdays. They're sharing a birthday. And I actually, like, instigated, like, let's do something, right? But then I'm like, but I can't do Wednesday night, right? And their birthday, their actual birthday is Wednesday night. But I'm like, I can't do Wednesday. And you know why I can't do Wednesday? Because it is synchro practice. And not only is it synchro practice, but we don't have many before before competition, and it is one of those rare practices where all of us are going to show up. All of us are going to be there. So it's like I'm choosing to be more committed to to synchro. And I think the other people on the team make a similar choice. I love how you describe that. That's just, that's really great. Yeah. And I think your friends will understand. Before we wrap up, is there anything that you want to add? Well, I guess, could I ask you a question? Sure. Well, you had said when you approached me about this, you said you're really looking for a synchronized swimmer to interview, and you're very interested in that sport. So, why? Why? Like, why are you interested in synchronized swimming? You know, I think what is interesting to me about synchronized swimming is that on the surface, I think that it appears really easy and sort of frou frou, and (laughs) it's not. You know, I mean, it's super athletic, and I mean, if you watch the routines. I mean, they're hard. Oh, yeah. And so I, I, I'm interested in that sort of the dichotomy of what it appears and what's 
what's actual, you know, what's actual. And I also think that what intrigued me a little bit is, you know, it's sort of typically a, a girly women's sport and it masks how athletic the athletes doing that sport are. There is definitely a stereotype with synchronized swimming, I would say for sure, because it, it, number one, it wasn't taken seriously for a long time. It wasn't entered in the Olympics till what, like 20, 30 years ago or something. And because it's a women's sport, yeah, they think like, oh, there's nothing hard about this. There's nothing like super serious about this. But the reality of it is it's like, I feel like it's a more complicated sport than most out there. And so athletic in so many ways. You know, you could say the same about ballet, too. I mean, ballerinas and dancers are probably the most athletic people you'll ever run into, you know? Yeah. But it's just thought of as a, as a, a I don't want to call it a girl's sport or even a sport. It's just, yeah, that seriousness, that lack of seriousness that people think exists within it. Well, it's so pretty, so how could it be hard? True, right? But that's like that's like part of what's so hard about it. People that look effortless are masters, essentially. Right. And it's true in any sport. You can see it climb too. It's like you watch somebody climb a wall, like, oh, that didn't look so bad. Maybe I can do it, right? And then you're like, Jesus Christ, this is hard. <laughs> right. It's also the, you know what you sort of started the interview with with you know like how enticing it was because they were having so much fun. They were smiling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks so pretty and it looks so great. And part of it's like, I want to be able to do that. Right. You have to have humility. I think that's the big thing about this sport. Well, with any sport, you have to have humility. Maybe that's why women are better at sports. (laughs) Yeah, you have to be willing to look the fool. They can be humble, and you don't learn unless you're humble. Really don't. Well, great. It has been... Absolutely wonderful to talk to you. I'm so glad that you ended up agreeing to do this this interview. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for making it easy. Thanks for listening. I know it's totally a pain, but please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It really does help the podcast to reach more people and to get the word out about female athletes and women in sports. Just a reminder, Allie's Bar is still available for listeners at 50% off with free shipping using the promo code HERSPORTS. That means a box of 12 are only $14. And they taste great and aren't loaded with sugar. There's been a lot of chat about meal planning. I'm totally terrible at that and often find myself happily saved by an Allie's Bar. Also, check out the new layout of the Hear Her Sports website at hearhersports.com. It has a beautiful landing page featuring a design by Agnes Studio. It's easier to find the podcast you want and to listen directly from the site. Sign up for our newsletter and follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Hear Her Sports. See you in two weeks. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. 
Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!